Good. So we have been um, refreshing ourselves, and uh, for some of us, maybe um, hitting some new ground in the, on the whole topic of normal Christianity. What is normal Christianity? Well, how do I become a Christian? What is it supposed to look like? Um, how do I work that out in everyday life? How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to behave? What attitudes am I supposed to carry? All of those um, sorts of things. Uh, this is about session six, I think, on this. I was only going to do a couple of weeks on it, but you know what it's like. You start doing these things and you think of more things that you really must say. And so uh, today we're carrying on with that. And today I want to do something which is a, perhaps a little more foundational. So rather than uh, some of the practical stuff, the very practical stuff that we've been dealing with, to actually deal with something more foundational, because it occurred to me as we were working through some of these things that um, for many of us, we kind of understand all of this stuff, but there's something that goes on inside of us that holds us back. There's something that goes on inside of us that gives us a kind of a negative spin sometimes and prevents us from entering into everything that God has for us. And usually that, the source of that is that we think badly about ourselves, is that we don't really understand who we are. We don't really understand um, you know, the, the way God created us and the power of God's love for us and those sorts of things. And so this morning I want to try and tackle a little bit of that. And uh, to help me with that we're going to dig into Psalm 139. So if you're following me in your Bibles, it would be really great if you weren't texting or Facebooking. But looking at your Bibles, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Psalm 139. I'm going to read the whole psalm, okay, and then we'll get into it. Are we there? Yes? Psalm 139, from the beginning um, to the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be night about me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. And then he has a little bit of a detour. <laughs> oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. 
O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And then he kind of gets back on track. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Brilliant psalm. Some great stuff in there. And clearly we're not going to plumb all of the depths of that this morning. But I want to try and pull a few significant things out of it. I'm going to have to be very careful this morning because we have Bible students in the house. And, um, you know, the report will be going back to Mattersea. You know, I'm sure, um, you know, Pastor Dave, yeah, six out of ten. <laughs> so, well, I, I, I like to think I've improved. I like to think I've improved. This, uh, this is a really great psalm. There is so much in this psalm. It, it's a hymn. It has thanksgiving. There is lament in it. There's a meditation. There's confession. There's prayer. There's reflection. And there's that wonderful little bit in the middle there where, where David gets all kind of aggressive and violent for a moment. But you know, I actually, I quite like that because there is a reality about that that does me good. Because I understand that David, when he is writing these things, is not living an easy life. That David, when he is, he is coming to God with this stuff and he's praising God for what God has done, what God has created, what God has worked in him. Okay, to me. All right, thank you. Um, it's the wonderful stuff that God is doing, the wonderful and awesome person that God is. He's actually, he's not writing all of this from some, you know, easy life as king sitting in his big throne with his feet up and he's actually got troubles. He's actually got pressures. He's actually got people who are coming out against him, who are coming out against God, and are making his life difficult. And so the fact that this kind of creeps into the middle there actually does me good, because I understand that David was a, was a human being just like us. And although clearly God blessed him and did him good, and uh, you know, God clearly um, was with him all the days of his life, you know, even then there were difficulties, trials and tribulations that he had to face. And, it, and the fact that it creeps out in the middle of the psalm, I think, is brilliant because it gives you that context of understanding that David is praising God even in the midst of some horrendous difficulties, even in the midst of people coming out against him and trying to undermine him and trying to do away with his God. He is, even in that situation, is giving praise to God, recognizing who God is and, and really kind of laying out for us just the wonders of what God has done. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. So the first thing I really want you to see uh, in, in this psalm is this, that you are known by God. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> the psalmist starts out, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts, you search out my path, my lying down, are acquainted with my ways. Uh, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. You hem me in. You go before me. You're around about me. You're all around me. And the knowledge of this just blows my mind. And listen, if you understand this, it will blow your mind. The knowledge of this is far too high for the human mind to fully comprehend and take in and deal with. But let's grab as much as we can and let it do us good. God knows you. He knows you intimately. 
He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the high points and the low points. He knows the trials and the tribulations. He knows the things that you rejoice over. He knows it all and he gets it all. He knows your preferences and your patterns. Yeah? He knows what you're thinking. He knows your habits and he knows how you're going to behave. And... uh, He even knows what you're going to say before you say it. Even before the words have actually formed on your lips. God knows exactly what you're going to say. But knowing all of this, now this is where some of us will struggle because in our minds we're already saying, oh no, God knows me, he knows what I'm like. Oh no, he knows what I'm thinking. Oh dear, (laughs) he knows the things that happen when nobody else is looking. Oh heavens, God knows all of us, and some of us are already in trouble here. But the psalmist completes that section of the psalm by saying that, that God's love is all around him, that God hems him in with his love. That even knowing our deepest, darkest secrets, even knowing the worst parts of who we are and what we are like, God still surrounds us with his love and with his grace and with his mercy and with his tenderness and still wants every bit of the best for each one of us for our lives. That's what God is like. And the fact that he knows you that intimately, the fact that he knows you that well and understands you that well, means that actually he is the best person to help you with all of this. And our first port of call in any situation should be to go and speak to Father God about it. Because he knows. Because he understands. And because if we believe the things that we say we believe, he's the one who has the ultimate power and can do something about this. Yes? So we need to get away from, you know, this, this doing ourselves down and seeing ourselves continually in a bad light. Because that's not the way God looks at us. He, sure, he sees all of that stuff and he understands all of that stuff. But you see, God's focus is forward. That God is not dwelling on your mistakes. He's not dwelling on your sin. He's not dwelling on anything that you might have messed up and you know he's not just not thinking about that God has a forward focus and he's looking at what can be if you will take hold of his hand and go there he's looking at who you can be if you will allow him to work in your life and bring about the changes that are needed so that you can become everything that he created you to be and he's not going to rest until he's finished that work His focus is forward, not backwards. The trouble for us is that most of us have a backward focus and very little forward focus. And we need to move to that place where we understand that God is with us. God is for us. God's hand is upon us. And he wants to take us on to a better place to be better people, to be better servants of his, to make a bigger difference in the world that we live in. He wants to take us into something just spectacular. By our standards, spectacular. That is his plan and his purpose. And we shipwreck ourselves because we pay too much attention to what's behind us instead of looking at what's in front of us. And we need to understand that this God who knows us intimately, who knows every part of us, who knows exactly what we're like, he has the best plan. And he has the wherewithal to make the plan succeed if we will take a hold of his hand and let him guide us. And that's what David wants you to see in this. Not just that God sees all the black bits, all the dark bits, but actually 
He's, you are surrounded, you are hemmed in by his love. Why does he hem you in with his love? Because he wants to guide you gently into the future that he has for you, into the purpose that he has for you. And if you can do that, if you can grab a hold of that, I want to tell you, the things that you dream about will start just to become too small. Because when you understand who God is and what God can do, our dreams are just like they're small fry compared to what God wants to do. And there is nothing more powerful than, than being in that place with God where you are being guided by Him, where you are allowing Him access to your life, to all areas of your life, allowing Him to mold you and shape you and take you to that place where He wants you to be. Because every one of you, listen, every one of you, every one of us was designed to be something significant, yeah. something wonderful. God does not do things badly. We'll come on to that in a second. But God doesn't do anything second rate. And his plan for your life is absolutely first rate. And he is determined. He is determined to get you there. It now depends on us to take a hold of him so that he can take us there. Are you with me? Okay. And that, you know, if we fully understand that, and I'm not sure that we can fully understand that, but whatever efforts that we can make to understand that will help us because it will give us a different perspective on life. It will give us a different attitude about things. Now, people throw out these one-liners from time to time, and a lot of the time you just wish they wouldn't because they're just silly. I was going to say something else then, but I restrained myself. But sometimes people come out with these little one-liners that, that change your life. And I remember um, Rick Warren in one of his kind of, he, he sends out a, a weekly um, encouraging little email to, to pastors all over the world. And one of the things that he said once was this. He said, all of life is a test. How are you going to deal with it? And if we can start to see things like that, life changes. If we understand that God has got us on a journey and that this journey is designed to shape us into what God wants us to be, we will see things differently. We will understand that the things we face are tests of our character, tests of our spirituality, tests of all sorts of things in us, that they're designed to bring stuff out of us so that we learn about ourselves, so that we uh, also, as we're learning about ourselves, learn how we move forward and how we should develop and how we should uh, deal with things differently and all of those sorts of things. I was, when we were praying this morning before sound check and everything, um, Cherry was praying and uh, she, she was thanking God that he's in control and even though she didn't like the weather, <laughs> you know, she was all right with it because God is in control and if it's raining, it's because God wants it to rain, you know. Um, now, th- there's kind of a, you, you can't get kind of entirely fatalistic about that and say that absolutely everything is controlled by God because actually God gives us free will in the context of all of that. You know, but the truth is, if God wanted it to be sunny today, it would be sunny. Are you with me? And so we need we need to trust that what God does, and you know, if, again, if we believe our Bibles, the Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those that are in Christ Jesus and who are called according to His purposes. Now, I looked up that word "all," okay, and it means all. God takes all things, 
everything and works them together for our good. And if we can weave that into our thinking with all of this, you know, we will find a different attitude. We'll find ourselves engaging much more with the journey that God wants us on so we become much more of what he wants us to be. And I'm not, uh, so please don't ever hear me say that it's easy because actually it's flipping tough. It's supposed to be tough because you don't learn anything when it's easy. Hello? You get that, don't you? My old mum, God rest her soul, used to say, smooth smooth seas don't make skillful sailors. And that's true. That you you are shaped and you learn through the difficulties in life, not the easy bits. Yeah, And if we can learn to see that God puts these things in our way to challenge us and to shape us and to draw things out of us, we will engage with them differently because we know it's a test. Yes? And instead of being passive and sitting back and just let the world go on around us, we will engage more and we will find ourselves growing and becoming more of what God wants us to be. Yes? Okay, the psalmist carries on. So, my first thing is you are known by God. The second thing is you are seen by God. You have always been seen by God. God sees where you are. He sees where you've been. He sees where you're going. He sees all of that. The psalmist says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shale, you're there. If I take the wings of the one... Just take a second to appreciate the beautiful poetry of this. <laughs> okay. I mean, what a, what a wonderful phrase. If I take the wings of the morning... Just so I'm, I know I'm kind of the arty type, but these things just kind of settle in my head. The wings of the morning. Just beautiful uh, phrases here that David comes out with. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. And if I say that the darkness is, will hide me, the darkness is not going to hide me because uh, God sees through everything. And. Uh, I I want you to understand that there is never a moment when God hasn't got his eye on you. Now already, (laughs) some of us are thinking, oh no, he saw me do that. Yeah, he did. He heard me say that. Yes, he did. Yeah, but the good news is this. He loves you. Absolutely loves you. And so... If you did something you shouldn't have done, just say sorry and let's move on. Yes? Yeah? Okay. But understand that you are never left alone by God. When God says, I will not leave you or forsake you, he means it. He's serious. David, um, seeing God by, by his Holy Spirit, you know, uh, using that kind of phraseology and that kind of um, experience, I guess, um, He's saying, there's nowhere I can go to escape from your spirit. Wherever I go, who do I bump into? Oh, Holy Spirit, you're here as well. Yes, I am. (laughs) He's saying, there is nowhere I can go to escape from the presence of God. Because God sticks to me like glue. Because God goes ahead of me, he follows behind me, he's all around me, he does not leave me alone for a minute, he does not leave me or forsake me. Why does he do that? Because he wants to be there when I need him. Because he wants to be there when I don't think I need him. He just wants to be there. Hello? Sorry?
of life is a test. <laughs> he says, even if I go down to shale. Now, shale um, is a word that you might not be familiar with. Um, in the Hebrew context, shale was the place of the dead. So in, in the Hebrew context, in Hebrew thinking, uh, when you die, you go to this place called shale, which in their imaginings was kind of just underneath the, the crust of the earth. That's where all the dead people are waiting for. If you were uh, uh, someone who believed in those sorts of things, because not all of them did, waiting for the resurrection day when you know, you, people would be brought back to life and into their eternal inheritance. Um, and David is saying, even when I close my eyes in death, even then, I can't escape from the Spirit of God. He's always there. He never leaves us, even for a second. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult to, to see that because sometimes the pressure on us and the things that we're dealing with, sometimes the struggle struggles that we, we have to deal with, that we get um, too focused on them and it draws our focus away from God. And we forget that he's there. But the fact that we forget that he's there makes no difference to his being there because he's there. He's always there. He always will be there. He's not going to leave you alone for a minute because the minute you want to turn to him, he wants to be there to help you and to give you what you need. You can't escape his gaze. You can't escape his presence. David tries to explain this to us in terms of geography. He says, if I go to the highest place, you're there. If I go to the lowest place, you're there. There's nothing I can do to get away from the presence of God. And he's not just there so that we know that he's present. He's not just there so that we know that he loves us. But he's there to engage with us. And this journey that we're on is supposed to be a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute engagement with God. God would like to spend time with you because he loves you. Do you remember, so those, some of you might not have been through this, but many of us will remember, you know, those first uh, days, weeks, months of being in love. Paul Jackson's laughing. When when it didn't matter what was going on, you just had to be with that person. You just had to find ways of you, you know, being together as much as you could because that's what you wanted because such was the love, such was the relationship that you didn't want to be separated even for a minute. So you kind of, you know, guys, you know, if, if you're young and you've not got into this yet, you know, let me... Let me tell you how this works. You start manufacturing things just so that you can be together. You, you start doing stuff that, you know, oh, um, there's this on. We ought to go to this because it'll be good for us. You've had you've no interest in the event. You just want to be with the person. You start doing stuff that just keeps you in each other's company. Are you with me? You're, clearly, you're all looking a bit bemused. You've clearly never done that, any of you. <laughs> I want to tell you. When I met Sue, I, I came up with all sorts of reasons for us to spend time together. I thought of all sorts of things that would just keep us in each other's company. And I, you know, because, because I wanted to be with her. And God wants to be with you all the time. 
And we need to understand that. We need to realize that actually God loves you so much. He wants to spend every minute of every day with you. He wants you to be engaging with him. He wants you to be knowing every minute of every day that he loves you with an everlasting love. He wants you to know every minute of every day that he has a plan for your life to do you good, not to harm you. He wants you to know every minute of every day that you are precious, that you are special, that you are unique, uh, and that he wants to be with you. And wherever you go, you can't escape that because God's love is absolutely relentless. He wants to be there. He wants to be with you. He doesn't want to leave you alone to struggle through things. Even in those dark moments, and it's interesting that David adds that bit in, you know, that even the darkness is light to God. In other words, when you are sitting in your darkest moment and you can't see the way forward, you can't see anything round about, and life is at its lowest, God sees everything and he understands everything. He knows everything. He knows what the solution is. He knows what to do. And even in those darkest moments, he sees things like it's the bright light of day. And if we will engage with him, he will help us through those times. Yes? Okay. Third thing I want you to know is this. That you were not an accident. That you were formed by God. The psalmist goes on to say, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that you formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, before the beginning of time, before anybody had ever published a diary, before your parents, whoever they were and however that happened, got together and you, you, know, you were conceived. Before any of that happened, before any of it was even thought about, God knew you. He had a plan that was you. Right before the beginning of time, he knew your name. He knew who you were going to be. Now that's an amazing thought, isn't it? Nobody is an accident. Uh, people have said to me various times, you know, when I'm asking about family history and stuff, they'll say, oh, I was an accident. No, you weren't. There is no such thing. God had you planned before the beginning of time. God knew your name. He knew what the color of your eyes would be and the color of your hair would be. He knew what sort of personality you would have. He knew what sort of person you would turn out to be because he wove all of that into you. Hello? Before the beginning of time. He had a plan that was you. Nobody is an accident. You were planned by the living God, by your heavenly Father. You were planned by Him. You were designed by Him. You know, and if you want to take God up on the, His design, you know, feel free. Either there are bits of me sometimes that I think, you know, we'll have a conversation about this. It's probably because I have abused his design over the years that this exists. But you were designed by God. Before the beginning of time, God gave Cherry a beautiful voice. Brilliant. You know, what, 
the best bits, and I could go around the whole room, the best bits about all of you, before the beginning of time, God had got those planned. He knew that, that you know, he designed a heart in Liz that, that would uh, crumble every time she saw a need and, and bring a response out of her that made her rush to help. That God designed that before the beginning of time. God gave you your creativity. He gave you your ability to understand complex issues, you know, the scientists among us, the engineers among us. God gave you all of that. He planned all of that before the beginning of time. You are who you are because God planned you and created you that way. You are not an accident, but you are a beautifully crafted and created, unique, significant, wonderful individual who was brought to being by the living God. And if anybody tells you anything different, they're lying to you. Hello? Now, if you understand that, life already looks different. Because already I am confident about being me. Because God made me. Now, listen, I'm quite sure that there are all sorts of parts of me that have not measured up to the plan of God for my life because I'm the sort of idiot who will not do things the way God wanted and make mistakes and, you know, I'm just, I'm like that. And guess what? So are you. I'm not alone in this. We're all in this together. We're all sinners saved by grace. We all bog up. We all miss the path. We all miss the turns. and You know, we all make mistakes. But that does not take away one little bit from the fact that God created you. And he created you beautiful. He created you unique. He created you with a whole range of gifts and abilities and insights that make you you. And there is nobody else that is like you. You are unique. Because God planned you that way. I have, you know, um, and I've probably talked about this before, I have twin daughters. They're identical twins. Uh, When they were growing up, they were a nightmare. Because I could never tell the difference. Now, physically, seriously, physically, um, there are only two uh, kind of physical details which would um, help you to tell which one was which. And both of those details were covered by hair. Once they'd grown their hair, you know, you couldn't see any of those things. So, and they used to run me ragged, because I could never tell the difference. You know, I would be telling one of them off, and, and, and Laura, you know, she'd be saying, no, you should be speaking to Becky. You know, and so I'd go and be telling Becky off, and Becky would be saying, no, it would be, it's, and you can't tell the difference. You don't know. I think their, their boyfriends got a few shocks as well as they were growing up on a couple of occasions. You know, they think they're talking to the, to the girl they're taking out and it turns out to be her sister. You know, that's how identical they were. And, and still are, except these days they both wear their hair differently and what have you. In those days they used to wear their hair the same. But listen, as they have grown up, two very unique people have emerged that although they share enormous amounts in common because they came from a split cell, they share enormous amounts in common. They are still, as they have grown up now, two very unique individuals with different gifts and different insights. And although you would pick them out straight away as being sisters, being family, they are two unique people. 
there is nobody who is the same as you. That's how DNA testing works. It works on the fact that actually everybody is a unique individual and we all have slight differences in our DNA. No two of us are the same. Because that's how God created us. So you are unique. You are crafted by God to be something special, significant and different to everybody else. And that's absolutely brilliant uh, because when Paul talks about the church, for instance, he talks about the church being a body and he says, not everybody is an eye, not everybody is a hand, we can't all be that. But all the different parts need to be there. And as we come together with our uniqueness and bring all of our uniquenesses together, we wind up with something which is completely off the chart. And it's absolutely glorious because that's the way God created things to be. And if you are worried about what's going on, the psalmist reminds us that in this uh, process and in this context here, that actually God knows the days of your life. Because before you were even born, he'd set up a diary. He'd set up his own diary. He knows, you know, exactly the days of your life and he's known them all the time. He knew them before they even started. He knew how long you were going to live. He knew where you were going to be and what you were going to do. He sees these things into the future. He has foreknowledge. He knows what's going to happen. And so you can be secure that whatever comes in your life, whatever happens, whatever might take you by surprise or might shock you or might suddenly, you know, rattle your world for a little bit, that actually God is not one little bit surprised because he knew God is not taken by surprise because he knew he knew exactly what was going to happen he knew how it was going to happen he knew when it was going to happen and he planned on being there hello he planned on being there you were formed by God why why does God do this? That's always a good question. You know, the, the principal difference between things like atheism and Christianity is um, atheism and uh, you know, science can very often tell you the what of things, but it can't tell you the why. And the Bible tells us the why. That God does these things. Why? Because he loves us. Because he is love. Because he is so much love. I'm going to struggle to describe this now. Because he is so much love that that love kind of issues in doing loving things. It has to come out somewhere. There is so much of God that is love that it has to find expression. It has to come out. And so how does God express that love? Well, he creates you and me. So that we can be recipients of that love. So that that love has somewhere to go. So that we can be those who will share that love with other people. God does it because he loves. You are not a mistake. God formed you because he wanted some friends. And you're it. Did you get that? He's looking for friends. And you're it. He formed you with purpose. He formed you to be a worshipper. Because one of the things God really loves is when we come to worship him. He formed you to be a worshipper. He formed you for service. You know, 
again, I have lots of conversations with people who uh, say, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to do it or where I'm supposed to do it. I don't really think I've got any gifts. I don't really think I can do anything. But I want you to know that when God formed you, he formed you for service. He gave you gifts and abilities which are now yours to use in his service for his glory to build the kingdom. And I've just realized that I'm out of time and we're only at page six out of eight. (laughs) So we're not going to get finished today. We'll have to come back to this. But this, let me leave you with this challenge. If all of the foregoing is true, then that leads us to a place where we understand that our lives are not just something that should kind of find their own way and wander through things and just, you know, go whichever way the flow is going. But actually, our lives should be lived on purpose. That we should understand that God created us for a purpose, that he created us unique, that he spends every minute of every day being alongside us to help us and to guide us so that we can explore and discover and start to deploy that uniqueness and those gifts that he's put in us in a unique way because nobody else will do it like us so that we serve his purposes. There is a call on our lives, every one of our lives, to serve God. You know, we have this strange idea sometimes that the people who are called, they're the ones who wear the dog collars. They're, they're the ones who are, you know, who've got reverend in front of their name. They're the called people. Every one of us is called to serve the purposes of God. God has more purposes than just preaching. God has more purposes than leading worship. God has all sorts of purposes and you are designed for some of those purposes. And you need to bring your uniqueness to those things so that the purposes of God are fulfilled. So you are called. And your, your challenge, your role, your, your um, whatever, I'm trying to find a third word and can't find it, is to discover where your uniqueness fits. And then to plow yourself into it. Your task, your mission, should you decide to accept it. This pastor will self-destruct in three seconds. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to discover exactly what God made you to be. And then to give the rest of your life to it. And if you can do that, let me tell you, it will be spectacular. It will be incredible. It will be tough. It will be challenging. It will be hard work. There will be a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But you won't want to swap it for anything. Amen? Okay, let's stand. I'm going to pray. And then we can go and get some coffee. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness, Lord, for your incredible grace, for your mercy, for your wonderful love for us. And uh, Father, I pray just in these moments that you would just drop something into each of our hearts, that we would know that you are our Father, that you created us, that you designed us, that we are what you made us to be, that none of us are an accident, but that we are planned by you and planned with a purpose, planned for significance, planned to do great things in this world as we serve you. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would just catch something of that this morning, 
that we are not an accident and that we are not left to just uh, float through this world, but that you have a plan and a purpose because that's what you built us for. And that, Lord, that you would um, cause some uh, faith and enthusiasm to rise up in us, to engage more with that plan and that purpose, to get ourselves more and more into the center of your will for our lives in order that we might glorify you and see your kingdom built in this place. And now pray that the Lord would bless you, that he would do you good. That word blessing always gets me. It literally means have a serious case of the happies. That God would put a smile on your face, that he would do you good, that joy would rise up in your heart because you know that God loves you and his hand is upon you. I pray that he would keep you, keep you safe, keep you strong, keep you focused, keep you motivated, keep you moving along that journey. I pray that uh, you would know his presence, that you would know that his hand is upon you, that you would know that he is there with you, that you would know he will never leave you or forsake you. And I pray that as you walk under his hand, that you would know his perfect peace, that the peace of God, the wonderful, supernatural, inexplicable peace of the living God would fill your heart and your mind and your spirit and that you would live and work and minister from a place of rest and the sure and certain knowledge that God loves you and he is with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.